Welcome to Hiraith, a home for the left in Wales. You join us here this evening uh, with Dr. Ed Bridges. He's the campaigner who took South Wales Police to court for their illegal use of facial recognition software, the first legal action of its kind in the world. Hello, Ed. Uh, hello, Shamai. Shamai, thank you for coming. We're here tonight with me, you and Kerry, and we're going to talk about um, your recent case against South Wales Police. But first, before we talk about that, what is uh, facial recognition software and what are the problems with it? So facial recognition technology, it, it, basically it is, it is technology that will capture the images of people who walk past a camera at a you know, particular position. Um, but rather than simply recording them, in the way that traditional CCTV might. It does a, a biometric scan of someone's face. It basically maps what your face looks like. So it will, in a matter of milliseconds, measure you know, the distances between different facial features. And it will then compare that to, in this case, a police watch list, and will look for, for matches. And one of the really important things to understand about the way that the police use this technology um, and one of the things that, that was really clear in the court of appeal judgment that we had is that this is very different from traditional cctv images because of the way that you have that biometric scan of your face and the processing of your personal data so if you're like me and you go and watch a lot of football matches um, i go and watch Newport County uh, more than is enjoyable and I'm well used to having police forces pointing a CCTV camera at a crowd of football fans that I might be in or a crowd of protesters you might be part of or whatever it happens to be. Normally what happens is that a crowd is filmed and the footage of that is kept for a set number of days and under data protection legislation, you have the right to request that footage. Now, not, not many people do, but if you're a, a nerd about these things like me, then you can, should you want to, write to the police force that has filmed the, the, the crowd you're in and say, I noticed that you were filming the crowd at Newport County against Exeter. I was part of that crowd. I would like to see any footage that you hold of me. Here's a passport size photo of me so you know what I look like. Here is £10, which you're uh, allowed to charge as an admin fee, please send me the footage. And if you wait a set number of days, you'll get a, a little CD that will uh, you can put in your computer and you can see what images the police have of you. So that, you know, sort of works from a data protection point of view, because you have rights over the data that's held and you can request it. And it's, you know, relatively transparent, even if most people don't take up their rights under that legislation. Where facial recognition is different is that in a matter of seconds, your image is captured, it is processed, and that's a really key legal term. You know, it's the same as, you know, you giving your email address to someone, you know, and under GDPR, if they use it, then they're processing your data, and it's checked against a watch list. And this is not like a, having a photograph taken of you. This is like giving a digital fingerprint, because it's uniquely identifiable data. It's something that is unique to you. And that is where the kind of ethical implications come in and, and why we brought this this case because in a matter of seconds you've given away unique personal identifiable data to a third party in this case the state and they have processed that data and you don't have any recourse to say why were you using this this way how have you used it what have you retained so I, I probably talked too long but that, but that's a, in a nutshell 
what this is and why why it's ethically very interesting ground and I, and I should say right at the start as well just before I stop talking I'm not a data scientist I'm not a lawyer I come at this purely as an interested and concerned citizen so I dare say there will be people listening who uh, know a lot more about the technology than me and know more about the law than me and that's that's fine and I, I will listen to those people as I have throughout this case but I come at it purely as someone who is concerned about the way that the state is handling and processing the data of of innocent citizens. Were there any incidents in particular that made you want to take this action against South Wales Police then or was it just the principle? Like you guys I suspect you know living in Cardiff um, when we had the Champions League final in summer 2017 I saw in South Wales Echo that South Wales Police were using this technology and I thought that's interesting um you know don't there's not been any consultation or public conversation about this but you know it was presumably part of the the deal for Cardiff getting that uh, that fixture i sort of didn't really think more of it at the time the first time that i would have had my data captured by this was in the run up to christmas 2017 uh, yeah christmas 2017 i popped out of my office to go and buy a sandwich and look for some christmas presents and I would have had my data captured as I walked up Queen Street where there was a, a police van and it was only really by the time you were close enough to see automatic facial recognition technology on it you would already have had your data captured many times over and you know as I say I'm a law-abiding citizen I kind of mind my own business and I don't really understand why the police were on my local high street taking my image but again I, I, at that point I didn't really do anything about it because apart from grumbling on Twitter which I want to do you know it wasn't something that particularly bothered me but the, the moment at which my hackles were raised with it was in March 2018 when there was a, a peaceful protest at the CIA uh, against an arms fair that was happening and on that occasion South Wales police parked their facial recognition van across the street from a crowd of protesters peaceful protesters it was a very benign protest you know I was stood with a load of Quakers and you know come day that's a and you know very very kind of genteel folk and I think we all felt that it was the police by parking their, their van and, and taking our data they were trying to discourage us from using our right to protest and and you know I feel very strongly that the police should be supporting peaceful protest and not undermining it and you know particularly an officer as it happened I'd written to Alan Michael the commissioner before that protest to say you know I'm sure your policing will be focusing on uh, on the protesters but have you thought about the illegal arms trade uh, that may be happening within the CIA and you know that should that should be of greater worry to the world than yeah a few uh, lefties standing outside and, and holding up banners you know so it was after that protest and, and the use of facial recognition technology that I got in touch with Liberty and because they've been doing stuff about the Met's use of uh, facial recognition and, and I said look this is what's happening in South Wales are you aware of it and, and is this of help to your campaign and things sort of snowballed from there until eventually when they were looking to bring a test case I guess because South Wales police had used it against peaceful protesters which I don't think at that point the Met had it meant there was a particularly interesting additional dimension in terms of the kind of human rights implications. The arms fair in Cardiff one of our one of our finer moments mm. so what would you say then to the, the argument that um, the use of this technology as it develops is there to kind of keep us safe in a wider context? Well, there, I mean, there's several answers to that. Firstly, I, I don't doubt for a moment that the police have a difficult job to do. They, like every other public service, have had their budget slashed um, and they need to look at whatever technologies and resources they can to do their job more effectively. And that's that's entirely reasonable. And I also understand the difficulties that they have when they've got a big event like 
the Champions League, they need to have the ability to spot the one person in a crowd of 100,000 who, who might be a problem. All of that is true, and all of that is a, a good argument for the use of facial recognition technology. But there's there's kind of several key issues I have with that. I mean, firstly, is just a, a relatively prosaic one, but actually, if you look at the way South Wales Police have been using this technology, it has not been uh, using a, a watch list of known terrorist suspects around big events. It's been to look for people who are wanted on warrant for you know relatively low level offences, and this was quite an interesting element of the of the hearing that its kind of day to day operational use is not actually for for the sorts of things that probably the public would imagine it would be for. The other argument is a much more kind of principled one that you know we live in a democracy we don't live in a dictatorship we have policing by consent in this country and so it's important that the police use technology in a way that the public can have confidence in that's just as important to the police as it is to the public because if the public lose confidence and trust in the police then that is that is a much bigger societal problem and so imposing the use of this technology without a formal public consultation it was brought in under the guise of being a trial but actually when the, the police were asked in the original hearing you know what's the end point for this trial what are the success and failure criteria of this trial they, they didn't have an answer for that in reality this has just been rolled out as a kind of ongoing operational use and you know the concerns that civil liberties campaigners have had about the potentially discriminatory use of this technology the, the way that it's been done in ways that perhaps don't respect things like privacy impact assessments and so on, you know, that has all been ignored. And I think had South Wales Police and others engaged at an earlier stage with some of the civil liberties concerns, I think they could have perhaps made life a lot easier on themselves because there are some who want this technology banned completely. I am I'm sort of, I veer between that and a slightly more nuanced position. But the point is that the police have just tried to push this out and roll it out on an operational basis without really engaging in this, the, the civil liberties concerns. And I do think in a democratic society, that is something that should worry us. You know, we're not in China, we're not in Russia. And if you look at the ways that some of those more authoritarian regimes have used this technology, clearly, if its use is not restricted in certain ways, then that is a problem for a free society. What was your um, experience taking on an institution the size of South Wales Police? Yeah, I mean... it. it... It's not something that I woke up one morning and thought I really want to take my local police force to court. And, you know, I'm aware that uh, next time my house gets broken into, I'm probably not going to get the, the warmest uh, response from, from South Wales Police. To be honest, though, just just think of it, you were taking Alan Michael to court. That works. <laughs> well, you may very well say that. I couldn't possibly comment. Um, I, you know, again, I do want to reiterate, I recognise that the police have a really difficult job to do and there are plenty of very good and honourable police officers doing their job in difficult circumstances and you know as it happens in a in, you know in a former life as a, a Cardiff councillor and when I was chair of the licensing committee I worked with some of the officers who've been heavily involved in facial recognition and you know they're not bad people I just fundamentally disagree with them on, on matters around civil liberties but it isn't something that I kind of relished in that sense I don't want to you know, I'm not I'm not a combative person. I don't like having arguments. This was a, a matter of principle. I recognised that I was probably in a particularly good position to be able to bring this case, and and it felt like the the right thing to do. So in that sense, I've I've not minded doing it. Some of the perhaps that have been chucked my way on social media by people who feel very strongly the other way um, has been not 
something I particularly care to repeat but again you know I knew that that was going to happen and you you kind of know that when you put your head above the parapet so um yeah obviously the the decision of the high court didn't go exactly your way you won under some of the grounds but not all of them so so the the initial hearing was uh, was held in Cardiff at the divisional court and we we lost that completely which I think was a surprise because you know normally on something like this if you bring a case on five different grounds then you think you might win on some and lose on others and yeah it's a kind of a mixed bag um, so to lose on all initially was a surprise and I think when we looked at the judgment we felt there was some strong grounds for for the appeal which we brought uh, and that was held at the court of appeal over uh, over skype in may june i lose track of time amidst uh, everything that's going on um and then we had the results uh, last week and we we won on i think three out of the five grounds that we we won now i will let those who are lawyers look through the judgment and and speak more knowledgeably than than me about what that means but my lay reading of it is that the one of the court's key findings was was that contrary to the arguments of South Wales Police and the Home Office, uh, facial recognition technology is not analogous to taking photographs or the use of CCTV. Um, and the court found that because this technology involves capturing images, automatically processing sensitive data, most of whom won't be of interest to, uh, to the police, that it's far more intrusive than taking photographs or taking CCTV. And that because of that, there is not the necessary quality of law, to use the terms that the court used, um, for it to be used within existing legislation. And that really was one of the fundamental points that we made, is that clearly technology has evolved faster than the law can keep up with it. And, you know, we felt that the architecture, the legal architecture was not there for this to be used in accordance with with current data protection uh, legislation and, and other things. So that was the, the kind of first big win some of the other areas where we won were slightly more technical and slightly more to do with some of the guidelines and policies that South Wales Police were were using or not using correctly as, as the court found out. So one was around privacy impact assessments which the court found were written in such a way that uh, facial recognition could be used to find anyone who's in, of interest to the police, which the court felt left too broad a discretion vested in individual police officers to describe who should go on a watch list. So in essence, the, their policy around privacy impact was, was written too broadly, which I think is really important because one of the points that we've made is that this shouldn't just be something that's, that's a, a free pass to go and find you know absolutely anyone who might be of interest to the police. If you're going to use this technology, you need to have really clearly defined specific criteria that say who you're looking for. And then the final area, which is really important, and I suspect we'll want to talk about a bit more, was around the police's uh, public sector equality duty. So, you know, the duty on public bodies to, to do things in a way that don't undermine equality legislation. And the, the court found that South Wales Police had, and again, I'm going to quote it directly, uh, South Wales Police had never sought to satisfy themselves that the software programme in this case does not have an unacceptable bias on the grounds of race or sex. And the reason that that's important is that you know, we said in the case that the technology that South Wales Police are using is particularly bad at recognising black faces and female faces. And, you know, this wasn't so much of a live issue at the start of the case, but it was around the time of the appeal that, you know, amidst all the stuff around Black Lives Matter, amidst a, a, a period where the policing of black communities in particular is uh, fraught with sensitivities, using a technology that could potentially add to 
tensions between black communities and police and leads to black citizens being disproportionately and wrongly challenged by the police. That's not just something that's an injustice in itself, but it, it entrenches unjust policing patterns. You know, that's something that should really give the police pause for, for thought. So just going back to the initial judgment, when, when that didn't go your way, was there any thought on your part that you wouldn't go any further or were you always sure that you were going to proceed in appeal? I think we, we always expected to, that it would go to at least kind of a second round and possibly even a third round, you know, and I think that would have been likely whoever had won. I think even if we'd won on all five grounds in the divisional court, I think South Wales Police would have appealed it. I think it was always likely it would go to the next stage. When we saw the judgment of that first, uh, that first hearing, I think we, we felt you know, bluntly, and, you know, again, I defer to the, the lawyers on this, I think they felt that there was a lot that the two judges in the first hearing had got wrong. You know, my understanding is that within the kind of legal community, I think there was uh, an expectation that we would we would probably win some of the grounds that we brought for appeals. So in hindsight, that was, it was the right thing to, to do. But I suspect if the result had gone the other way, South Wales Police would have appealed it as well. So where, Ed, does that leave the police now? What does, what's the outcome of the judgment in terms of what they're able to do? So didn't, the Chief Constable of South Wales Police say something along the lines that the judgment was something they could work with? Yeah, so they've said they're not going to appeal it, which again, I think was a, a bit of a surprise. I think we, we thought it might go all the way to the Supreme Court. South Wales Police have said they won't appeal it. I think that, and you know, again, this is probably from a position of slight naivety, but my my kind of reading of that is that either they think that the Home Office will bring forward new legislation that specifically governs this, or that they can just update some of their policies, you know, in relation to those latter two issues in particular, to take account of what the court has said. Now, you know, we will see what that may mean in practice, and at some point I'll need to speak with uh, with Liberty to work out what the, the next stages might be for us. But um, I would imagine there has been a conversation between South Wales Police and the Home Office about how to react to this judgment and you know, if they are determined to keep using this technology, they will, I guess, find, look to find a way to do that. But um, we will be watching very closely to see what that means and, and whether that respects what the court has found. I'm just thinking about uh, other areas where this technology is used. It is used already in certain areas legally, isn't it? Is it something to do with passport control? and things like that or is it yeah like so it, it is something that's fairly common yeah within within airports and you know anyone who's been to bristol airport recently and possibly even cardiff might have it now as well is that you can queue up for what's meant to be accelerated passport control although my experience is it tends to take <laughs> twice as long but um uh you can also interestingly uh, not queue up there and, and ask to be seen by a person but again they don't tend to advertise that uh, particularly highly so i mean from my point of view i i have slightly fewer concerns about it being used in those particularly defined environments my my issue is much more with when this is something that gets used on the high street or against protesters that to me feels like a the crossing of a line um, and you know all of these are, are subjective judgments i guess to us as individuals as to what we feel is is fine and what isn't but i it isn't something that i shriek with horror about when i see it being used in an airport but when it's being used in everyday settings i think that's to me that feels slightly different yeah, I, I suppose that's what I mean. I think we've got that awareness of it is used in some places. And is that where you think the legislation might go so that it'll define the context in which such technology can be used? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm reluctant to start second guessing what, what may happen next. But it, yeah, it, that may be something that, you know, there needs to be much clearer guidance at the very least around who's being looked for, whether 
there is evidence to suggest they will be in a certain location at a certain time rather than it just being a, a kind of stab in the dark type thing you know all of these are possibilities but one of the things we said throughout is it's not for us to try and come up with a, a set of guidelines you know for, for South Wales Police and uh, whether they and the Home Office and the Met and others will try to develop something you know I hope that they, they will have dialogue with with civil liberties groups but I don't know how it will shape out certain private sector areas might want to use this technology in their own environment so mm. for example football which is one of the things i followed it mostly about but by a condition of entry with a ticket is that you accept that you may be recorded in this way or something like that yeah i mean there, there have been private organizations who have used it in certain spaces so i think there was a shopping center around king's cross that had, had just imposed it in a uh, kind of public square but I think that was then scrapped that after kind of public outcry you know all of this stuff to me it has to start with a proper engagement with the public and engagement with some of the concerns that are being raised I don't know yeah if my football team started uh, scanning everyone on their way into a ground I'm not sure how comfortable I'd, I'd feel about that and but you know these are all subjective judgments that we have to make as individuals for me the reason for bringing this particular case is that you know the state has to lead by example in all this and when it's the police using it i think that they need to be held to a much higher level of because you know you you can make decisions about whether you go to a certain football match or whether you go to a certain shopping center but it, you can't make a decision about whether you walk down queen street on a saturday afternoon when this stuff is being used by the state i think that's that feels different to me and i think that the, the state should set the tone for what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable for how this sort of technology gets used so one of the things that came out of, of when when you were you had your judgment last week was another legal opinion of the facial recognition trial they've had of the met and it was quite stein that you know even though your yours was the first of its kind it wasn't the sort of first legal opinion written on why this software is probably illegal and hard to justify and you look at the met figures they proceeded with the trial even though it was something like 98 percent inaccurate and it's really worrying i'm just interested to see what your take on the the met trial was and and the the legal opinions that came came of that after your case i won't pretend to be as across what what's happening in in london compared to south wales um liberty i think did sit in on um a use of uh, facial recognition by the met and and some of the concerns that they had about that were were lodged as part of our case i think the one of the more interesting things to me it's less so about the the met but um, one of the kind of legal interested parties in in our case who made representations at both hearings was the surveillance camera commissioner so this is a, an independent regulator appointed by uk government and i think initially the surveillance camera commissioner was sort of and again this is only my non-lawyer reading of things uh, initially the, the surveillance camera commissioner was broadly kind of supportive of the use of facial recognition technology but within certain parameters um, but actually because of the way the ongoing use of this this technology was being done i think partly because of the relationship as well between the commissioner and the uk government uh, and partly because of some of what was said in the hearings the commission was actually really critical of, of both the home office and uh, secretary of, of state and said that they've been asleep on watch and should reflect on the comments of the court and act in the public interest in relation to this technology and i think that's quite interesting you know clearly liberty and, and i have quite entrenched views on one side clearly south Wales police on another but when you see people like the information commissioner and the surveillance camera commissioner expressing concerns about the way that this technology is being used that to me suggests that there is something wrong 
here and that yeah there needs to be a, a much higher standard of how this this technology gets used in the future you mentioned the issues that facial recognition technology has with um, on equality issues you know how it, it struggles to identify and differentiate differentiate between people who are black do, do you think the police's continued use of this technology is indicative of their sort of problems with racism and systemic racism within the forces or do you think it's that's not something they've considered or do, what do you think Again, I think the, the best answer to that is actually in the judgment. And it's, it's worth reading again because it, it's really stark. When it came to the police's public sector equality duty, the court said South Wales police had, quote, never sought to satisfy themselves that the software programme in this case does not have an unacceptable bias on the grounds of race or sex. Now, you know, to me as a layperson, that, that suggests that there is a, a, a problem within South Wales police that... And, you know, it, it may well be cock-up rather than conspiracy, but this was not something that they had sought to to address in how they use this technology. So I, I don't think I'd want to say more than that, because, again, it's not something I pretend to be an expert on. I think at a time when sensitivities around this are clearly heightened and for good reason, addressing that has to be a priority for South Wales Police, and, and I have no doubt it, it will be given the judgment. So I, I can see a time when it'll come to, we talked about airports and it's being used, I can see it being rolled out in other mass transport areas, for the Tube in London, for example, I can see that, I can see that being publicly supported as well. But if, we, if we're not to use this technology, in the work you've done and what Liberty have done, is there any suggestion of other kind of um, technology the police can use to get the same kind of security they want? I'm not sure I've got an answer for that. No, no I, I'm honest. just wondering... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm, always, I'm always keen to not start talking about stuff that I, I really don't but, uh, I know think enough that's about. Enough. So, yeah. One of the other things which you might not know about, but I am quite interested in, is we're, we're at other parts of the world on this. You know, at the moment, mm. America's looking to uh, de-police the state. But I imagine if we talk about this kind of technology, where it's utilised, I imagine America could be one of the main places it is. Is that is that right? Or do we yeah, not... I mean, it, it is, you know, I've already mentioned that on one extreme, you've got China, in particular, Russia to a lesser extent, who are making extensive use of this and the use of facial recognition technology to police some of the protests and uprising in Hong Kong have been quite worrying. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got some parts of the world. Uh, so San Francisco, I think, was one of the, the first areas that banned the use of the technology altogether. And there have been other parts of America, individual cities that have uh, have either put a moratorium on it or, or banned it outright. We also saw in the last few months, you know, again around Black Lives Matter, IBM withdrew from the market, closely followed by Amazon, closely followed by Microsoft, all because of concerns about how police forces might be using the technology for racial profiling. So I suspect in many cases, a lot of that is a pause rather than an, an outright stop. But I think and again, there was quite an interesting piece of footage of uh, an interview with a, a black man in America who had been wrongly profiled and arrested and in, in, briefly, I think, in, imprisoned as a result of facial recognition technology misidentifying him. So I think, you know, all of that suggests that there are sufficient problems, that this is something where at the very least there needs to be a kind of moratorium um, until we can be confident that it's being used in, in proper ways. And it comes back to what I said earlier. This is all about public confidence in policing. That if you have technology that's being used in ways that the public don't have confidence in, that's bad news for the for the police, actually, because they then it then makes it harder for them to do their job. What would your take on be on if it wasn't used in the kind of law and order scenario? So what happens if it was rolled out a different biometric set where you're looking for raise temperatures or something like that for covid related issues 
I mean, again, there, there been, there's been some really interesting stuff in recent months around the use of technology for, for COVID, whether that's like the test and trace stuff. There was the whole thing about which system the UK government would, would roll out and whether it'd be one that might store people's personal data or, or not. Yeah, I mean, all of that stuff, none of it comes without ethical implications and ethical considerations. And my, my interest in all of this, insofar as I you know have any knowledge at all around the way that tech gets developed, is, is to try to make sure that you know ethics is not something that just gets tagged on at the end i think too often when there are you know interesting emerging technologies that have have uses whether that's around um healthcare or policing that we don't just go great let's roll out the technology and then at the last minute you know some poor sod in hr is kind of given the job of oh can you make sure that this is ethical you know actually it has to be front loaded and and it needs to be part of how technology is is developed it's not just developed by by software developers it actually has to be something that involves ethical considerations with and conversations with the public first to understand how people feel about giving up their data you know it, it's one of the things that i said a lot at the right at the start of the case you know because it was just after new gdpr legislation that it felt as though i had more rights over what ended up in my spam box in, than i did whether my local police force were, were filming me and capturing my data and you know that does just feel wrong i think to, to a member of the public so um, at a time when we're becoming ever more conscious of our personal data and the way that our data is mined by groups with their own kind of motivations and self-interest like we should we should have a higher standard of what we expect organizations and particularly the state to do and handle that data no totally agree and uh, you know i wanted to thank you for taking the case with liberty but that's that's kind of where my next question is and probably my, my last question what was it like actually you know not so much on the, the subject here but what was it like being part of that whole process taking ostensibly the state to court and actually winning it was at times exhilarating so when we got the news that was you know one of those things where you think well whatever happens like that's a, a real kind of legal milestone and that you know vindicates the concerns that we had over it and vindicates our uh, rationale for for bringing the case and that that was great you know there have been more challenging moments as well so uh, like i say i've, I've you know, had my fair share of kind of abuse on social media and, and that was kind of priced in when i agreed to, to take the case that you know we knew uh, i knew that that would be coming my way and but i can't pretend that that's you know particularly enjoyable and it's had its impact on you know just family life and stuff as well particularly in the last week when i've been doing interviews like this one rather than um you know, spending time with my kids, although actually having spent all day with them today, it's, it's quite nice to have a have a break. But um, so, yeah, it comes with a whole load of, of other things. But um, I feel more more than ever now that it was the right thing to do. It's something I'm proud of, of doing because, uh, you know, we all get the odd opportunity in our life to stand up and do something that we believe in. And I think, uh, I don't know, I was always brought up that if you think something's important, you should sit your head above the parapet and, and say so. So, yeah, it's, it's had its ups and downs, but I, I think on balance, I'd probably do it again. What do you hope to be the broader consequences of the case and the and the judgment, Ed? So, you know, clearly there are there are plenty of people, including Liberty, who want this technology banned altogether. And as I say, I kind of flip between that and, and a slightly more nuanced position. But I think at the very least, there needs to be a recognition that technology has developed faster than the law can keep up with it. I think there needs to be a proper public dialogue about where people feel the line should be drawn around if this technology is to be used what's a, a reasonable deployment of it whether that means restricting watch lists to a, a, a certain kind of category and above of seriousness for for what you're looking for whether you say you only use it if you have evidence that person x will be in, in place z uh, 
such and such a time or whatever that you know again that feels like a, a reasonable restriction to put on it and just not having a kind of ongoing blanket use I mean that feels like a good starting point to me as a as a layperson yeah making sure that as the technology develops that that the law can keep up with it and that that there's a kind of ongoing dialogue I suppose between between lawmakers and, and civil liberties groups and that it's not just something that is imposed I think there needs to be a recognition that there are two sides to the conversation. Uh, Ed Bridges, thank you very much for coming on this evening. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, if they want to be pleasant, then uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Dr. Ed Bridges, D-R-E-D Bridges. Um, and if they don't want to be pleasant, then they can just lean out a window and shout and I'll, I'll hear it. <laughs> or not. But, <laughs> well, thank you very much, Ed. Um, if, if you like what you've heard this evening, uh, please find us on Medium at Heroes Blog Cymru, on Facebook at Heroes Blog Cymru, and on Twitter at Heroes Blog. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.